Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Where Did the Road Go is brought to you in part by our Patreons. If you want to become a patron, go to WhereDidTheRoadGo.com. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? Tonight, my guest is Andrew Gable. How you doing, Andrew? All right. And uh, you host a podcast called Forgotten Darkness. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about this and why you started it. Um, well, act, you know, it was actually, it hit me as I uh, had, had started doing it. And I was a couple episodes into it. I realized it was kind of an idea I had when I was in college because I majored in broadcasting and I had always wanted to have a little like segment on a news show or something and go into some of these things that happened in the past that people don't really remember anymore. And well, then eventually I decided that's just what I'd start doing on the podcast. And I would just go through old newspapers and find some of those like stories that were big deals back in the 20s or 30s. And, you know, nobody really remembers them anymore. And sometimes sometimes I think they're pretty significant and people should remember them, but they don't. Right. Or also another thing. I also wanted to cover was in like the 14 type fields, especially, I mean, you'll have old, like pretty classic cases, like, you know, ones Charles Fort talked about and stuff like that. But like nobody mentions those anymore. That's true. You know, you'll have like these old, old reports from, you know, back in the 19 teens and stuff, but they don't get written about very much whether it's because it's a ghost that kind of disappeared off wherever ghosts disappear to eventually or whatever. And I kind of wanted to start looking into a little bit more into those too. So you've done 19 episodes so far. Mm -hmm. Have you always been interested in this stuff? Pretty much. Pretty much. Is it is it more the older stuff you're interested in, or just in general? Um, uh, really, really, I'd say in general. I mean, I I find it ends up being a lot of the older stuff that I end up writing about and stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm really just kind of interested in that topic in general, really, though. And and they're all just you, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so far, I am f- maybe thinking of doing like some interviews and stuff coming up, but. Cool. So far, they're all just me. And if people are interested, they can find it on Podbeam, ForgottenDarkness.Podbeam.com. Right. Um, now, you, you said you write. Do you have any of your writing up? Um, 
No, I don't have I don't have any up on the internet right now. Honestly, um, mostly I'm just saying about like writing. I because I have to write out scripts for yeah. these first because I tried doing one or two episodes with not having a script written out, and I found out I to ramble really bad. <laughs> so uh, I kind of have to write down what I'm going to say and stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, let, let's talk about, well, I, I want to talk about the first one I listened to, uh, which was the uh, South American one, the mysterious death of, and I don't know how to say it. You said it in the podcast. It's Joao. Yeah. So it's J-O-A-O. Yeah. And Prestis? Yeah. Okay. Which anybody in who reads about Brazilian UFO cases or cryptid cases. You've probably seen that name a lot because it's basically John. Oh, um, okay. Some places will call him Joao Prestes Filio, but Filio just means son, so I'm pretty sure that's just like Junior. Okay. As in like, that was his dad's name too, so. That makes sense. But uh, he... This was in 1946, I think it was. Yeah. Um, it was the, it was like the Mardi Gras carnival in Brazil, and he didn't really like that. He didn't like how it was basically an excuse to be loud and drunk. Mm-hmm. And so he always went fishing on that day, and so he went fishing, and his wife said she was gonna go to some of the celebrations and this is an Arsari Guama which is in near Sao Paulo um and his wife said she was going to go to some of the celebrations and he said well if you do just make sure you leave the one of the windows open a little bit so I can get back in the house um and so it was like a normal fishing trip and everything and then when he came back uh well there's two different sort of accounts of what happened depending who you listen to right because there was a guy named rc gomid who was he was in the, he was a tax man but he was in the army and he had a little bit of medical training and he was like the closest thing they had to a doctor in town at the time and he said that it was while joao was going around back going to climb in his house and other people said it was happened actually in his house but anyway where, wherever it may have been there was a like an orange fireball which like he described it as like a torch and i was thinking of um i just listened to the last one you did mm-hmm. and you were talking about the like the orange lights in the woods and things like that and it was uh, i was like i was thinking of that i was like wow that's very timely yeah yeah so there yeah there was this orange fireball and he says that it shot him with something and he just kind of fell down and i guess the light just disappeared to somewhere and then he made it to his sister's house and he just kept going on and on about like the light the light the light and hold excuse me a minute okay uh he was lying in bed and, well, R.C. Gomid says that actually, like, pieces of his, of his big chunks of his flesh actually started to fall off. 
Now, later on, there were other um, researchers who talked to other people who said that he was just burned really bad. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure what the case there yeah, as what, to his actual injuries was. Whether it got exaggerated or not. Yeah. And then he got, they were putting him on the, on a wagon to take him into the next town to go to the, to take him to the hospital. And he died on the way and never made it there. So, yeah, I don't know what the case was as to what injuries he had, but. Well, he was definitely burned. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and it. Go ahead. No, so I had found that thing about they were supposedly going to exhume his skeleton to test it. And I'm not, I'm not sure whatever came of that, hmm. if they ever did or not. I mean, it, it sounds like radiation burns, which it makes, does. which makes you wonder what exactly he encountered, whether it be like some form of plasma, like ball lightning or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suppose that could be described as a flame. Yeah. Were there, were there thunderstorms at the time? Do you know? No. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. No, there, there were. That's right. Because okay. this R.C. Gomeed had said it was clear out and everything. But some of the other witnesses that were questioned later said that the weather was kind of bad that night. Okay. So it is possible it was a light, some sort of lightning. And it would, I mean, it would fit, especially if the window was left open. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that, that, of course, gets put down to aliens in a lot of cases. I've heard that one, you know. Yeah, because I think because of what you, because of what we were saying that it tend, it sounds like radiation burns. Mm -hmm. So automatically, I think a lot of people just radiation burns. Therefore, it has to be, you know, a UFO did something to them. But. And I mean, it's a horrible situation regardless. I mean, that's, yeah. that's absolutely yeah. awful. Um. And Brazil is known for some of these these more horrific accounts for some reason. Yeah, yeah, a lot a lot of them seem a lot of the more kind of violent UFOs down there. They seem to tend to be not. If you really read the descriptions, they don't they don't seem to actually be described as what we would usually think of as a UFO. True. Like we usually would think of the more, you know, concrete craft. And it seems that a lot of them, they're talking about more a, a ghost light or like yeah. ball lightning or something type thing going on. Um, there has been some other people who have been um, affected by this that will start getting like peeling, like um, like when you have a real bad sunburn. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering if that's what was actually happening to him, and maybe somebody just put it in the wrong words and it got translated wrong or something. That's also a possibility. So I mean, yeah. there, there is the uh, the famous case in Texas there with the the two women and the kid uh, with the military helicopters and all that. I can't remember the name of the the people. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the uh, Cash Landrum. Yes. Yes. And they had that, that sort of radiation burn thing going on as well, and that was an actual craft that they saw. Right. Right. But, th I, but I, this, 
This was in his house, though. This wasn't like he was yeah. walking around outside and something came down. This this appeared in his room. Yeah. Now, I mean, the window was open, so yeah. Like like you were saying, like lightning or something from outside could have gotten in the house, but. But you you, you go into a lot of detail, and you actually cite all your uh, where you got all the information from on, on the uh, pod beam as well. Yeah. That, that that was kind of one thing that always kind of um like there's a lot of books and stuff they'll just tell you know tell you all the stuff that happened but like don't tell you where the information came from mm-hmm. sometimes and I, I i don't know i just always thought that was important to do yeah well, it's know, def- maybe it's the journalist in me <laughs> it's definitely helpful um in that episode you cover a bunch of other weird lightning thing situations going on Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there were a lot up around in the area of Kalari, K- Kalaris Island. It's up actually right near the mouth of the Amazon. Hmm. Um, oh, because that's another thing. A lot of these tend to be along the coast. There tends to be a definite connection with water with these lights, too. That's not surprising. Um, yeah, there were a lot up around Kalari's, like I said, uh, they, up there, they, they called it, they called it Ofogo, which basically just means the fire. Um, there were some people that got burned and things by it, some fishermen, and, uh, I mean, no, no, a lot of, a lot of those ones up there weren't. The people weren't seriously injured. And a lot of them I've been able to find, period. The people weren't seriously injured. That's one of the few ones I found where anyone actually died. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is just, well, you know, they'll get burned. They'll have a headache for a couple days. Um, oh, another thing that I thought was interesting with uh, Mr. Prestes was they said about his... Uh, like he couldn't, he didn't seem like he could talk right. And I found a couple other ones that mentioned specifically that hmm. about not, not being able to speak after this thing hits you or whatever it does. I, I would, there was actually, oh. I, I would think that would be some kind of electrical phenomena hitting, you know, affecting the brain. Yeah. So, so again, if it's ball lightning or something, that kind of shock could be affecting, you know, their ability to think straight, to talk. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They have this thing down there. It's called a boitata. It's um they're like these they're usually like orange orangish reddish lights. Or sometimes sometimes you'll run across ones that are like white or blue, but they're usually orange or red or something of like that. Um now the Bowie Tata, it's what's kind of weird is that that's um, actually like personified as like that's supposed to be some kind of like fire snake, but it's kind of like when they see it, it's just a fireball floating around. <laughs> hmm. um, and there's also something that's called a, a Mayas Oro, which is and that's and that's another orangish or yellowish fireball 
that's supposed to like float around and it has the association with hidden treasure like um, ghost lights often have. Really? And you're supposed to follow it. And basically the first creek or waterway or whatever that it crosses over, you're supposed to look for gold in that creek. And there's supposed to usually be gold in there. And that is also personified sometimes. And they'll say it looks like a, like a blonde woman. Hmm. Now, there was at the end of that episode, I think it was, you were talking about purple lightning that they experienced in Maine. Yeah. And that's just weird. Yeah. It was kind of the, when they were describing what happened, what was going on, it sounded like it was a, you know, typical ball lightning, basically. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty destructive, apparently. But I mean, it just sounded like a typical ball lightning encounter. But yeah, they had this odd detail that they said it was that they said it was purple. Yeah, I wonder what would cause that. I mean, I'm thinking that you know sometimes like electricity can get sort of a bluish tinge sometimes. True. True. So, I mean, I guess depending on what the I don't even know what makes that what makes it change blue if it's the uh, current going through it or what. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not enough electrician to know that. <laughs> the uh, it's it seems like it would be such a rare thing. Like you don't normally hear about purple or even blue lightning. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let let let's talk about your hypnosis episode. Okay. Um, yeah. and you started out the episode talking about a recent case which was, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he disappeared and was found a few days later in California not knowing how he got there. Yeah. Did, yeah, any, was did, anything, did anything else develop from that? I, d I don't think so. I never heard anything more about it outside of when it was in the news for a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, I never heard anything more about it than that. That was in... Up, uh, I think, believe upstate, a uh, real upstate in New York. Yes, yeah, up in the Adirondacks, I think. And he just disappeared, and they they thought he was dead. Yeah. And then they, when they found him in California, and then he started remembering a little bit of what happened in the meantime, and like he remembered being on a tractor trailer going across the country, but he said yeah. like he was asleep most of the time. And that's just bizarre. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I wish I knew if there was more to that at this point. Yeah. Now you had, but you had a case going back, what was it, the late 1800s that was very similar. It was, it was 1903. 1903? Okay. Uh, yeah. It was uh, a girl from New Jersey, and she was pretty, uh, it was a pretty well-to-do family. She was a pretty wealthy. It was, a, it was from a pretty wealthy family. Clara Coffin, her name was. Um, she she basically had told her mom one evening that she was going over to a neighbor's house, and well, then she ended up. She never came back that night. So her mom went over to the neighbor's house to start to check on her. Well, here, you know, she comes to find that she had never even gone to the neighbor's house. And this neighbor hadn't seen her since 
they got out of school that day. And so they started this big thing of looking for her. Um, I believe there was a lot of thinking for a while that because her dad was pretty wealthy and he was working for, he or at least had worked for Standard Oil, that they somebody just kidnapped her to like ransom her off to him or something. Well, anyway, they ended up eventually getting a telegram from her and she was in Omaha, Nebraska, staying with some relatives. And so when they went out to pick her up and everything, she started saying that basically there was this woman with black eyes who was hypnotizing her and basically told her to leave, leave town. And she was on the train with this woman and there was there's supposedly a man also. She was supposedly on the train with this woman and the man. And then they were going across country and she got off the train at Cedar Rapids in Iowa and then made her way down to Omaha. And I mean, that's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. And it, it does ring, ring with some reminiscent of that more modern story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember when that when that started coming out, this old one was the first thing I kind of thought of because I was like, this is sounds a really a lot similar to that. Because hmm. you have someone who disappears and ends up really far away from where they were. Yeah, without a really good explanation. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had seen a mention by her dad that eventually well ba basically she never she never changed her mind from saying that it was this black-eyed woman like i think at first there was a thinking that you know okay she says that's what it is when we get her home and get her calmed down and she'll tell us what actually happened well she never changed her mind from that that's what she stuck with and there was a mention i saw in an article that I actually had forgotten to mention in the episode by her dad that she got, she got very like worked up and agitated anytime you'd even bring up, bring this up after that. And eventually, according to this article, they just stopped me even mentioning it to her because of like the reaction she would have when you would talk about it. Hmm. Huh. And I mean, that sounds a lot like, uh, well, one thing, I mean, I was kind of skeptically thinking was, you know, maybe she just had some kind of mental problems and right, went right. off. And, but, you know, that also sounds a, very similar to, I mean, just you, you have witnesses to di different kinds of things that, you know, kind of go into like almost like a PTSD type thing if you even mention the sighting of whatever it was True. they'll you know go back into their fear state or whatever hmm. and 
So now, didn't they didn't they have people who said she was on the train by herself when she said she was with a woman and a man? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she claimed that she was on with a woman and the man. Yeah, but there were people who were working on the train who said that she was by herself the entire time. Hmm. So I mean, that was part of what was kind of make me wonder. You know, did she just go off and? was making up this story or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Now the thing is with, with that, I actually kind of lucked out because I managed to find out who she got married to years later. And it was kind of lucky that the person that she got married to was fairly important. And a lot of their papers and things got actually like preserved, you know, unlike, if she had just married some random person, you'd probably never know, but it was someone important. So their things got saved in that. And from what you were able to determine from things, her husband said, it doesn't sound like she was ever right. Like he, he mentions health problems with her for like years. In fact, event well, eventually they got divorced. I guessing, that was actually even part of the problem. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Yeah. And of course we can't go interview her. No. <laughs> no. It 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 is I guess I should just say since I'm on here, it is uh one of those cases I'm not really sure why, but I, I really am like interested in it. So if anybody happens to know anything else, let me know. <laughs> but Yeah. I mean and you have quite a bit more information in the in the actual show, so people can go check that yeah. out if they want yeah. the details of everything. Um, yeah, and you had you had another one in that 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 one that sounded like uh, that also, if I remember right, no, it was the it was the uh, the guy who got caught trying to hawk the woman's uh, jewelry that he was working for, and he came up with this entire story about uh, being hypnotized by some strange man to do yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he said there was a guy with a there's a guy with a gun who I think he said was sitting was sitting in the house. I yeah, think, yeah. Who hip, who hypnotized him to go steal this stuff from this woman? When I'm like, if you were sitting there with a rifle, why are you gonna, why are you going to go through the trouble of hypnotizing someone else <laughs> to steal it? And and I think um, he just put the stuff in the guy's the pocket and then said he'd meet him somewhere. And when he didn't show up, he tried to sell the stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah, that doesn't sound like an excuse. No, very, very, and then co- there, very creative explanations, you know. Yeah, and then there was that one I had on there with uh, the guy who got the guy who got married, but said he was hypnotized. And it's like, yeah, really, it just, it just sounds you married somebody you don't you didn't want to. You got drunk and got married. <laughs> but was, wasn't but that... I, I, oh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, wasn't that woman, like, sounding pretty crazy on her own? Yeah, because I... She was, She had gotten... She was mixed up in another criminal case that was going on at the time. And yeah, it sounded like she had issues. <laughs> oh, so... You, you, I thought... The very last one that I mentioned on there was interesting because that that was the one where the girl also mentioned a woman with black eyes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I vaguely remember that. What what was the story behind that one? That was they found they found a girl dressed in boys' clothing in Coney Island, and she said she got hypnotized by this right. woman with black eyes, who made her dress like a guy, <laughs> which is odd. Yeah. Huh. Um. So one of the things you said you like doing shows on that you're really interested in is poltergeists. Yes. So what what strikes you as interesting about poltergeists? Well, I've I mean I've found the last couple years especially poltergeists are probably I'd say probably out of everything paranormal or you know fourteen or whatever poltergeists are probably one of my absolute favorite phenomena just because. I mean, you if you you can tie them to almost anything. I mean, almost any other Fortean phenomena. I think, you know, ha- you have a way to tie them to poltergeists. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of the same features come up a lot. Yeah, we've we've been talking about that a lot lately. Like with you know, when people say they they've encountered Bigfoot, but they didn't actually see a creature, but they get a lot of the poltergeist effects. Yeah, um, right. But, and yeah, you find like anyone who's had some of these weird experiences often experience poltergeist effects afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I especially, I'm especially have like a kind of a weakness for the ones that talk, because mm. you you every every once in a while you get them, not very often, but w- there's a handful of them. Jeff the talking mongoose. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple other ones that have talked. Um, the Devil of Glen Luce, which is one of them that I just did a just did an episode on. No, talk talk was, a little bit about that one. Um, that was in Scotland. It's in. See, I always read something wrong where people always said, "Oh, it doesn't. Ex- the town doesn't exist anymore." Well, no, it does. You go on Google Earth, you can fi- you can find right where it is. It still exists. It's in uh, Western Scotland. It's right down. It's right down on the coast, actually. Um, there was there was this, uh, this poltergeist that yeah it was it was it was talking like the one day um the one daughter was standing by a well and this poltergeist told her a couple times how it's going to I'll throw you in the well hmm. um trying to think of specific things that it said did it did it actually try to throw her in the well i don't you know the th- the account actually didn't say that i don't think it did hmm Okay. Um, I know it was arguing with people about taking plates of food from them and stuff, and I can't, I can't really can't remember exact statements it made. Okay, but that's fine. The person, the account that I had, the account that I had, the person seemed to, for some reason, be really, really convinced it was this. It was the son and the family was just had you know, learned ventriloquism and was doing this as a hoax, but it's like, I don't really know why, because I don't, 
see anything that suggests why you would swear he was the center of it or the, you know, the focal point. Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> what yeah, was- I, I, like I said, I forget exactly what it's said, but. What's, what, what what do you think the strangest poltergeist case you've come across has been? Going back to what I prob- probably Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, I know we've covered it on the show before, but for anyone who doesn't know, I want to tell people a little bit about Jeff. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a family. There was three of them that lived in a little, little farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere on the Isle of Man. And everyone, they'd hear these like scratchings inside the wall. And then there was this voice that would be talking to them. And the dad apparently kept like a really good record of everything this mongoose is supposed to have said, which they called a mongoose because that's what he said he was. Right. Um, (laughs) He he made like really bizarre statements. Like, well, the one that always strikes me because it's like a really subtle threat, but not really, is when he like would say that like, "You're it's 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 lucky that I like you because I could kill you all, but I mm-hmm. won't because I like you." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but that and. It also kind of reminded me of uh, the Bell Witch in a way. Yeah. He reminded me of the Bell Witch in a lot of ways. Because he, he said that he had he had like all the all these other spirits that were like bound to him or something. Well, and the Bell Witch the Bell Witch said something similar. So didn't he also claim to be the reincarnation of Oh something. I can't I can't remember. Uh an Indian guru or something? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Because he said about, like, the spirit got reincarnated as a mongoose, and, yeah. But it, it was just kind of funny, because it's like, as much as he kind of somewhat acted like there was potential for him to be malevolent, it's like he never really did anything. Yeah, and he did the most he ever. The most he ever did was like I went down to the train station and I stole this. I stole a bus conductor's sandwich. (laughs) Right, and he would he would occasionally spread gossip of things that they didn't know about, which is interesting. Now I know a a uh, part of thinking with that is that the daughter and the wife started this hoax, and then the dad basically started to believe it and they kind of just had to keep it going. But I don't know about that a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it seems like most poltergeist cases eventually end up with some hoaxing into them as they start to peter out. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, people like the attention or they have, they feel like they have to keep it up and then it starts to, to cease. Yeah. Another thing I found interesting was that um, there was apparently like mentions in the dad's accounting that it was the daughter who was like, you know, like the focal point of the poltergeist or whatever. But it's like, I 
didn't haven't seen you really record anything you know like focusing on her yeah it almost doesn't e- it almost doesn't even really seem to be focused on anybody it just almost seems like it was just something that was there hmm yeah yeah it is a little bit odd i mean it's an odd poltergeist period yeah uh, it kind of stands out because i don't think any other poltergeist has ever claimed to be a mongoose yeah, and there didn't seem to be much other poltergeist stuff happening other than the talking. Well, wasn't, there was knocking, wasn't there? Yeah, there was there was noises once in a while, but I don't I didn't haven't I don't think there was any like things being thrown around or anything like that. Yeah. It's definitely a weird one. Um tell people a little bit about the Bell Witch if they don't know. Um the Bell Witch obviously was in uh was in Tennessee. It was a uh, poltergeist that appeared in this little cabin. Um, I'm trying to remember all the specifics because it was a while since I read about this last. Um, but I remember. Well, I remember there was early on. This is another thing that is pretty common in poltergeist cases. Actually, early on. There was an account, there was this, that, uh, I believe some of the sons saw some kind of strange animal in one of the fields near the house, which I thought was pretty significant because you see little animals a lot in poltergeist cases too. Hmm. Um, and... I honestly can't remember everything that happened in the house. I know long story by the end of it, it ended up actually killing the dad. Yeah. Because it supposedly, it supposedly took his medicine and switched it with like poison or something. And then he accidentally poisoned himself instead of taking his medicine. And, but that, that was another one that made like really grandiose statements, kind of like Jeff did. Like it was like, you know, I'm, I'm the heir and all this, and but it was a lot more hostile. Yeah, it it claimed that it had like four or five other spirits bound to it, and and now don't people believe that now it resides in a cave or something? Yeah, and how does that all connect? You know, I think. If I'm remembering right, I think during the original thing, I believe it did say that's where it came from. Mm. It did say it came from this cave. And then it's just when the poltergeist vanished, as poltergeists tend to do, that people just assumed it it went back to the cave. Ah, okay. And, well, it might just be floating around in the ether somewhere. Who knows? (laughs) Um, what, what, what other ones have struck you as particularly interesting? Um, there was a case in Spain, in Zaragoza, Spain, where there was actually like a talking stovepipe. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That was, uh. You know, again, I can't remember any specific things it said, but it was, it would like answer questions and things like that if people asked it. 
And well, it's just the, the main reason that well, that again is one. It's kind of not that much of a poltergeist because it's really the talking is the only thing I've really I, d- I haven't seen any accounts of other poltergeist stuff going on there. I wonder if that's where they got the idea for Alexa. <laughs> Look, there's a talk- talking stovepipe that answers questions. We can make one of those. <laughs> but uh, one thing I always thought about them that was very interesting was that uh, when you get to the like house spirits, like brownies and things like that, especially if you... If you read the accounts of what happens when you tick a brownie off, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have your, you're not supposed to reward it or give it anything or just let it do its thing. And then if you do, then it the brownie gets all mad. It's like, if you read the accounts of what happens when you get one of those angry, it's like, that sounds a lot like a poltergeist. Mm. And... Yeah. One thing I find kind of interesting with this one in Spain is that it was a stove. And I've found that usually around the fireplace or the hearth or the stove or something is where your house spirit is supposed to live. Hmm. And I mean, that's kind of one of the things I always look at with poltergeist is look for, um, if there's any connection with a stove or an oven or anything like that, because I don't know, just because of that. Yeah. Huh. I I didn't know that, but that's interesting. So maybe sometimes these poltergeists would then be connected to the, the house spirits. Yeah. And which would maybe kind of imply maybe they're actually, you know, not like a psychic, thing maybe there's actually something connected to the house itself to you know some family who lived in this house yeah however many years ago or something about the spot itself yeah i mean because with the uh the russian domovoi there was a there was an idea that like just because like a family moved out of a house you know, like their domovoir didn't necessarily come with them. And they had this tradition that when you moved out of a house, you had to go through like this ritual and everything of asking your domovoir to come with you. Because then if it didn't, it would just stay in the house. And then when a new family moved in and they'd bring their domovoir with them, then the two would get in like a fight with each other. Huh. So it's almost like a house tulpa. Yeah, kind of. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. And you said that's Russian? That particular one is Russian, yeah. So there's other um, versions other versions of that? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean the Domovoi was basically was even though he, he seemed to be a bit more connected to like the family itself, it seemed like in practice, he seemed basically the same thing as a brownie or, you know, a regular house spirit. Hmm. So I don't know if there was the same sort of idea with the brownies or not. I mean, I have never seen it, but I'm not going to say there isn't. 
what do you think is going on when people have these poltergeist cases? Hmm. I, I sort of somewhat tend to agree with the psychological I, the psych, psychological idea of them being um, kind of the outward expression of, you know, frustration or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the unconscious PK stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get really like compelled by like that house spirit stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe there was, maybe there's more going on there than we necessarily give it credit for. Maybe there is, maybe when, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking if you go with, like, the tr- the idea on ghosts that a lot of people have, the, like, the whole stone tape thing of, like, you know, emotions that get imprinted or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe kind of just if somebody lives in a house for, like, years and years and years and years, you know, I'm sure that kind of just, I don't know, there's some kind of, like, something gets like imprinted on the house just because of the fact that they were there for so long. Right. Whether they had like a traumatic experience there or not. It's just because it's identified sort of so much with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it could, I don't know. I'll be I honest. Mean, I probably don't know what I think about them. I, I would They're think the, go ahead. They're one of these things that's really, like, really, really very confusing to me. I really don't know. I do know um, one thing I was thinking about also that I do think along the lines of the psychological thing. And this is a connection I'd like to look at more sometime, too. Is this, uh, I've noticed there tends to be a, have you ever noticed the interaction, well, or how should I say? Oh, well, anyway, the idea of like poltergeists and dem- demonic possession. Like, if you go back through, did you ever notice how many demonic possession cases like start out as a poltergeist? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then they just like progress. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of I was thinking I was always had an idea that like if you subscribe to the psychological idea of a poltergeist and that it's this um, kind of outward expression of frustration and things like that. You know, maybe sometimes like, I wonder if what's really going on with that is maybe sometimes as the poltergeist progresses so far, then maybe like those feelings start getting like internal internalized yeah. And like direct it in it yourself rather than outward. So it's not, you don't have the spirit actively like throwing stuff around your house anymore. It's like starting to actively like negatively in, impact you. Right. Rather than your surroundings. I think it was Red Pill had uh, thrown out the idea that uh, perhaps in some of these cases there is a spirit that sort of latches on to 
the person who's having the the sort of you know unconscious PK energy, kind of utilizing it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, just kind of like a. I don't know. I don't really know how to say it. <laughs> kind of like you have. If you go walking in the if you go walking in the woods, you're gonna get bit by mosquitoes, probably. Right. You know, if you have this act like if you have this active PK as you call it, maybe you know you are gonna get things. Things are gonna get drawn in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it, there may actually be a spirit behind it. Yeah, there, there probably is sometimes. Like for example, like Jeff, I I think that. When you have the talking talking ones and things, I think those probably are actual entities because I don't know they just seem to have like enough of a like personality of themselves yeah. on their own and things. Well, that's like um, uh, the Enfield poltergeist. You know, it it you know she knew information about the person who had lived and died there before, so maybe that person's spirit really was there, but it was using her. PK energy to to manifest. That could be. It's yeah, that was to, a that was kind of an interesting one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it, it's been. I mean, that's one of those ones that's been so uh, fictionalized that it's hard yeah. to, to see what was really there in the first place. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what other type of stuff do you cover in the blog? Do you want to pick one of the other ones? Uh, I think what else I looked into. I had one on the Nelly the Lion sightings. Okay. Which was uh, back, I think they were back around 1917 in Illinois people were like supposedly seeing like this African lion. And Mm. I was just, because it was like, you know, kind of one thing I'm thinking when, uh, like I remember when Lyle Blackburn did the thing, did the book on the Boggy Creek monster a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And he said how it was like, you know, for something that was around for so long, it was like you always hear like the same two encounters with it. Right. And that, that like, but anyway, this was like the same sort of thing. It was kind of, you always heard the same couple sightings, but it's like, this was supposedly such a big thing. So I was like, okay, well I want to go look through the, look through the newspapers back then and see how big a thing it really was. And there's actually a lot of sightings you don't usually hear. Um, one thing I always thought was interesting though, was they, the witnesses, they'd always say it was an African lioness. So I'm thinking like, okay, then like you have your image of an African lion with the big mane and everything, but I'm like, but this isn't an African lioness. So it doesn't have the mane. (laughs) Yeah. What makes you say it's a lion rather than a mountain lion? True. I mean, it, <laughs> a mountain lion would look the same as an African lioness. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I kind of think that's that's 
does tend to be what was going on. I think it was probably a mountain lion. Hmm. And the, and that would be odd. What, what was the area? Um, it's around Monticello and like Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, so that would be an odd thing to see there. Yeah, yeah, but not um not as odd. Yeah, not like unprecedented. I mean, there there is a, a lot of reports of like cats from down around there, so. Mm-hmm. I guess they maybe do just pass through there. Like that kind of thing I always thought was kind of arrogant of people to say, to say like, cause okay, like I'm down here in Pennsylvania and it will, it's probably the same case just about everywhere. They're like, Oh, there's no mountain lions here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like, I made the point in that, in that episode <clears throat> Of saying, you know, a, cu- a couple years ago, I I remember reading they caught a mountain lion in Connecticut, and they did like genetic testing on it, ty- typing on it and stuff, and it came from a population in North Dakota. Hmm. So I'm like, so apparently these things freaking ramble around a good distance. Yeah, they follow the food so like, too. So maybe there's none native to here naturally you know maybe there's none actually permanently living here but who's any who's like anybody to say there's never any mountain lions passing through here right so it i just feel like it's like i don't know you, you they say there's oh there's no mountain lions living here to dismiss people seeing them well, just because there's not any here doesn't mean that person didn't see one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember a few years ago seeing a cougar right right down one of the highways here in upstate New York, and we don't have cougars here. Thing just but you, pro- but just, you may once in a while. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I mean, it was definitely odd. I was kind of like, was that a cougar? Like, okay, <laughs> got a very yeah. clear look at it, so. I mean, Very it well it, might have been. And maybe it was a mountain lion. They're not that different in, you know, in a, in a quick glance. Well, I don't th- I don't think there, there isn't really a difference, is there? Uh, I don't know. I assume there was some some level of difference. I I always thought like that was just a diff- just another name for mountain lion. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there maybe there is some slight difference. I don't know. Um no, nope, it's also kind of, yep, yeah, cougar is a mountain lion. Okay. Okay. The cougar, also commonly known as the puma or mountain lion or panther or catamount. You know, that, but speaking of which, that gets into another thing that is kind of difficult, I, I find. When you look at older accounts, especially, but it's still just as much an issue now, is. You kind of basically find out people really don't know animals very well. Well, they yeah, that's that's true. Because I remember reading an old account of down from down in the Delaware River off Philadelphia. Of it sound sounded to all to all the freaking world, it sounded like they found an octopus in the river, hmm. which wouldn't be necessarily hard to believe because it is. I mean, that is basically just an inland of the ocean, right? But 
somebody like these had this guy who was like, you know, a uh, recognized expert on animals, and he said it was a reptile. <laughs> and I'm like, an octopus is not a reptile. You know? No, not even remotely. No. <laughs> hmm. And I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe from the, you know, because you're going just by a description, maybe that's not what they found, but that's what it sounded like to me. Um, so on Wikipedia, I was looking at the, the cougar thing. They have a map showing where they, they exist. Um, and the whole, like you're Pennsylvania, I'm upstate New York. In that area, the whole of uh, most of the United States, it says they're extinct or severely reduced in population. Which doesn't mean there's none. It just means that they're not, you know, as heavy as they are, say, from the Rockies West, which is where they're they're dominant. Hmm. So maybe yeah. not not that strange. No, I I don't think sightings of cats are really that odd at all. Um, and you you also cover a lot of uh true crime stuff from from way back yeah and what what about that interests you that because that interests a lot of people and i've never gotten that into it well i mean probably with that because i first got interest i was really interested in jack the ripper mm. and then i think kind of as you're hanging out on like message boards and stuff about that and talking to different people about it and stuff. And eventually you start finding out about other ones that were kind of similar and just start digging around on them and stuff. And I mean, I think really that's pretty much how I got started, how I start got started on it. I think, um, I don't know why, for some reason I just always kind of was interested in that aspect of things too. Hmm. Um, and obviously because of like the old newspapers, because of the timing and everything, I mean, that tends to have been covered like really, really well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to split the podcast up kind of like 50, 50 on like true crime stuff and the otter stuff. Um, kind of, I think for a while I was kind of weighted more toward a true crime end and I'd like to start, you know, getting more even distribution mm -hmm. between the two. Yeah. What's, what's been the strangest real crime story you think you've covered? Um, well, other than, um. Well, one thing, this also is kind of timely because uh, Tim Renner was just on the one, the last one that you released mm -hmm. um, with uh, the hex murders and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of want to start like I want to have like a little series of like covering them because there were like a lot of them. <laughs> there, yeah. was, there, there were more, I think, than people necessarily realize. Or hmm. or ones that got hex dragged into them, whether or not that actually had anything to do with it, I don't know. But people at least kind of tried to drag that into it. Right, right. 
But I, I would say the strangest one, um, one I found odd, just because nobody, I kind of actually even hesitate to call it like a true crime because you don't really know exactly what even happened in it. But there was a case over in York County where they found an arm floating in the river. Hmm. And a couple days later, a dog on another farm found found an arm. And I kind like I said, I kind of hesitate to call that a true crime because just because of that, you don't know for sure what happened. Yeah, that could have been I don't know some medical school dumped the body in the river or something instead of <laughs> getting rid of it the way they're supposed to, which is actually. A lot of those, a lot of those ones they tend to find turn out to be that actually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just always thought that was kind of a noteworthy one. Hmm. There's one I'm working on that kind of actually sort of would like straddle the line between like this weirder kind of stuff and the crime angle. You know, what's that but, one? Um, basically because you have the, the, you know, famous, really famous the last couple of years. Cause they talk about like all the time, but like Velisca, but it's just kind of like, I feel like people don't ever mention very much the fact that I don't know if that, that wasn't his, I don't Basically, I it's pretty clear. I think that like Velisca was a serial killer. It wasn't. It wasn't just like a one-off thing there, because there were ones all all over the Midwest around that time. But they hardly ever get mentioned. I feel like. Hmm. There was uh, there was one that you were talking about the Zodiac killer, the someone who may have inspired him. Oh yeah, there was a guy. It was in um, it was in New York City. It was down in uh, Queens. He only he only shot like two people. I mean, he wasn't really around very long. He was only around for a couple weeks. But he would like. He sent these really odd letters to the police. They weren't like the they weren't like the Zodiacs. They weren't completely in code. But they had all these really weird, like, serial numbers and code numbers and code names for people and stuff like that. And, you know, um, like the first, the first guy who got killed was uh, Joseph Mazinski. So he'd, like, always, like, refer to, like, Mazinski 487654 or something. That was, was, like, real weird. And he'd, he'd always have, like, you know, if uh, if you want to prevent anything more, you have to follow these directions. Well, then, of course, all the directions are like complete gibberish. So it's <laughs> like, how are you supposed to follow these directions? But he's like, but the people who the people who matter will understand what this means. Um, he he claimed that he was looking he was looking for documents. He was like. 
he was almost he said he was like a Russian spy, and he was looking for these documents that people were the people had stolen, and that's why he was that's why he was killing people. Like he got one document back from the one guy, and then he got one from the second guy, and then then he wrote. He was like, "Oh well, you know, I got one from this other guy here, so I, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to kill anybody else. So you won't hear anything more from me." <laughs> and that was kind of the end of it. Wow. Hmm. So, so did you just feel that was an inspiration for the Zodiac, or was there an actual connection there somewhere? Um. No, I don't know that there's a connection as much. I mean, some people, of course, have certainly said. This was the Zodiac. Well, no, I don't think it was the Zodiac, but um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if there's a connection as much as it's kind of. It was kind of interesting to me that he went about things the same way because the Zodiac basically shot people too, hmm. and then they both sent the really weird coded messages to the police and everything and. Yeah, the the severed arm mystery one makes me think of the feet that keep washing up uh, in, uh, up in the northwest. Yeah, yeah, but it's different. I mean, at least the feet have some level of scientific explanation as to what might be happening. Yeah, whereas the severed arm thing doesn't really. That's just weird. Yeah, yeah. like so, I said, I I don't think you can really call that crime necessarily because you don't know what happened right right i mean i'm probably going to guess it wasn't anything on the up and up <laughs> but. and and how long ago was, did that one happen that was that was in the 40s okay or hmm. maybe even the early 50s all right so how often do you release episodes um <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, the, I I uh, I know I said like on the first one, I was like I'm gonna try for like once once a week, and it usually will be about a week, mm-hmm. but it's just like I found that it I'm feel like I'm really kind of rushing myself at the end to get mm-hmm. it done in a week. Yeah. So I think maybe I should kind of ease up on. The, on the scheduling aspect a little bit. Um, well, like these, these last two that I've done that are on Poltergeist, I've done kind of like, you know, quick episodes because basically it's getting to the holidays and everything. The next, the, like I said, the next story I'm looking into is really, really big. I might actually have to break it up into a couple episodes. Um, just to kind of give myself time to work on that and everything. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I use, I usually shoot for about a week. It might be a little less than a week. It might be a little more than a week, but usually so, I try for about a week. So how, how far advan- in advance do you have stuff planned out? Like, do you know what other stories you're going to be covering? I have, a, I have a list made up of, Oh, probably at least like 25 or 30 more. I want to do yet. Hmm. So, and I know you say people you have people contact you if they have any little known stories they want you to try and flesh out. Yeah, just because 
I may have this decent sized list right now, but I am going to get to the end of that list eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, whenever I'm basically what I, how I tend to come across stuff is when I'm looking up one, I just look, I just have to look around at what else, what other stories are on that page of the new or on the newspaper and stuff. Hmm. And because they usually tended to, uh, they usually kind of tended to group stories together on. Oh, I, I see. It looked like it looked like if you know, especially true crime, the true crime stories back then. When, because when you'd have one, you'd usually have that would be like I don't know the murder page or whatever, and they usually would tend to put more of those kind of stories on that page. And 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 how how are you looking through the newspapers? Are, are you finding them online? Or are you doing it like at the library? Yeah, just online, honestly. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of newspapers online. You just have to go around different places. Hmm. Not as much all in one place. Of course not. Uh, I I have, I mean, gone to historical societies and stuff and looked up things too, but most stuff tends to be online. All right. And uh, tell people again where they can find the podcast. Okay. It's forgottendarkness.podbean.com. And it's on most... Most of just the podcast apps right. that you have. And it's ForgottenDarkness77 at gmail.com if you want to email me okay. anything, any stories or anything like that. Um, that's like that's a lowercase f and lowercase d and the number 77. And right. it's all right. just all one word. So... All right. Well, thank you for spending some time with us and talking mm-hmm. about some of this stuff. And a special thanks to my Patreons, without whom this show may not still be, honestly. Extra special thanks to those of you pledging $10 or more. Allison Cook, Super Inframan, Andy McNamara, Charles Beauregard, Craig Sisternos, Eric Citron, Jose A., Scott Morris Everett, Sean Cosgrove, Robert Groom, Roland Belstadt, Riker and Stark, John Rutledge Foster III, Russell Wilcoxon, Sasha Lorg, Kevin Olson, Christopher Vaughn, Samantha, Ben Crow, Carla Mahoney, Savannah Barlow, John Eddy, Chris, Mark Brady, William Lovelace, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Kevin Shrek, Alex Bose, and Alfred Tuttle. Thank you all so very much. All right. I'd also like to thank Sharon Stewart for the uh, donation and everyone who has sent in some personal stories, including some uh, strange wood stories. We're going to be doing another show like I did with Tim and Ren, talking about some of those. And because uh, I think the last one went really well. We, we kind of pulled on some interesting threads, I thought. Um, so keep them coming. Stories at com. Also, it completely slipped Andrew's mind that he actually had published a book uh, called The Mystery Animals of Pennsylvania back in 2012, and that is available on Amazon if you're interested. And I think that is about all I have for you tonight. We're going to take you out with some Gazm, G-H-A-Z-M, and uh, this is a track called Going Home. We'll see you next time.
You have been listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.